You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL Podcast. Another week in the books. Let's talk CFL football. My name's Oz Davis. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Joe Pritchard. Joe, how you doing this week? Oh, pretty good, considering yesterday I booked myself a flight to Winnipeg for September. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I saw the tweet about it. Yeah, that's what I, I saw the tweet mm-hmm. about it. Um, yeah, good on you. Good on you. Um, I'm still booking tickets. <laughs> I'm road tripping around New England before I leave the country and for August. Um, so uh, I'm still making tons of tickets, reservations, and whatnot. But good for you going to Winnipeg. Um, all right. I guess we could talk about that when we get to September. But because there's a lot to talk about in these games this week. Um, a very strange week of CFL football. Really noteworthy. Really a lot of as we might say in American sports media, a lot of narratives really started to bear some fruit or take some unexpected turns, as, for example, in Ottawa. Um, the crazy thing is there weren't really any upsets. Uh, the sports book had all four of the winners picked as favorites. On Pick'em, three of the games <laughs> went in at about 95-5 to five for the favorite, and thus were correct, except for Ottawa, who was a two and a half point underdog at the book. Uh, was a two and a half point favorite at the book and was favored by like 65 to 35 on Pickham. So I guess you can kind of call that an upset, but it certainly wasn't a major one. And uh, it certainly didn't need to be an upset. The Red Flags were a lot closer winning that game than they sure should have been. In any case, um, any 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 overall takeaways, Joe? I mean, because it seems like each of these games is a, almost a case by case story. But uh, can we say anything about the league this week? It feels like the league is a lot more fun this year than it was last year, doesn't it? And I mean, I say this as a diehard. I, I say this as a diehard that has been watching pretty nonstop for a decade at this point. But like last year was a little bit rough. Yes. First full season back from COVID. Yes. They got the COVID season in for 2021. They got the 14 games. We were just happy it was back. Yes. Last year, it felt like a slog. I'll be honest. The, about mid-season, it's just like, okay, I love this. The Bombers are kicking everybody's ass. It's great, except that the other three games are putting me to sleep. What? What is <laughs> This year, it's not happening. This year, it's not happening at all. Yeah. Most of these teams are fun to watch. I got a little bit more than a little bit frustrated with Saskatchewan defense uh, this week. And on a personal level, more than a little bit frustrated with Montreal offensive line. Um, but other than that, yeah, there's fun stuff happening. I guess it's not too much fun to watch the Stamps offense if you're a fan. Uh, but yeah, I get, okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you what. We're still missing... No lead is safe, which was a huge characteristic of last season. Just like extremely few comeback wins, a few good last minute uh, 
you know, pull out the stop, uh, you know, get the last minute win, but no real major comebacks. And I think we're still missing that this year. Yeah, so we fun. do. We we are missing teams being down twenty four to three or yeah. whatever, and then just yeah. waking up in the second half and going, "Oh wait, it's football time," and yeah. changing the entire dynamic of the game. What's funny is, even though this year's been more fun to watch, I think the teams are. I think the offenses are far worse than they were last year. I don't have numbers to back me up, but there, yeah. there's not a lot of points getting racked up right now. No, and only BC. Much as, only BC. As much as the defenses are good. And as much as the league's been geared toward uh, co- coaching defense as of late, some of these offenses are just rotten. But in that, when they make when they make mistakes, it makes the games more interesting. Sometimes we're not seeing a lot. We're not seeing teams going out there and having like five straight punts. Something's going on in those drives, um, rather than just. Up oh, two and out, two and out, two and out, two and out, and we'll see you. We'll see you in a couple quarters when somebody actually does something interesting. <laughs> There's been interesting stuff happening. It just doesn't mean that the offenses are clicking or anything. Okay, yeah. Okay, let's talk interesting things. <laughs> Week starts with Saskatchewan Rough Riders twelve, Edmonton Elks eleven. Now. If there is any justice, this one should really go down to the annals of CFL history as the Rouge Bowl. I think that in the States, we would probably call this Rouge Gate, um, being what reportage is in the States. However, wow. Okay. I'll talk about a weird week in CFL football. This game starts, the, what, the first three scoring plays are Rouges by Edmonton. Saskatchewan kicks the field goal. Edmonton then goes up 4-3. <laughs> and so we have the, scores of 1 to nothing, 2 to nothing, right. 3 to nothing, although that's not an unusual score. Yeah, that's not weird. What happened is unusual. Then 3-3, three, three, then 4-3. Right. And then 11-3, right? Which is another great Canadian score. Yes, 11-3. 11 was definitely the magic number in CFL football this week. That's for sure. Well, kind of the kind of the black magic number. Um rather. And then Saskatchewan put together the only drive on which their offense looked good all season. Uh all season, all game. Don't want to be that harsh. And then the rouge heard around the world, or at least around Canada and the CFL Twitter sphere. Um, TJ Sims apparently was confused. Of course, everybody knows this. Well, was confused. Let Saskatchewan score the Rouge, essentially. Touch the ball down deep in the end zone. Really, by the time he got to the ball, he had no chance to do anything with it. Touched it down. Gave his quarterback, who had not been having a good game, the ball back. Uh, with a minute and some seconds left. Um, now, yeah, minute bef- three is what I'm showing. Before we get into it, okay, minute three, great, great. Yeah. Because I, before we get started, I got to say, I saw one of the most amazing uh, meme call and responses this weekend based on this. Okay, so it was the man 
looking at another woman meme. Okay, the very famous one with the girl in red in the foreground, guy in the background turning to look, disgusted girlfriend looking at him in shock. Okay, so the first one was the girl in red is Rouge's. <laughs> and then the guy is, uh, okay, so the guy is Edmonton fans, first 58 minutes, 47 seconds. And then the disgusted girlfriend is Edmonton fans, final minute, three seconds. Okay. So I thought that was pretty funny. That was a pretty clever use of that one. But in response to that, clearly an Edmonton Elks fan said, said, uh, posted one that said, okay, so the girl in red was sucking. <laughs> and the guy was Elks. And his girlfriend was not sucking. <laughs> Which I thought was completely amazing. Completely summarized the CFL season. And it was a nice use of a, of a well-used meme. I just wanted to give kudos to that. Um, okay. So, Joe, Joe, why don't you weigh in? Because first off, you blame this on coaching. Totally did. At right. the moment I saw the ball hit the ground, I'm like, right. they, didn't rem- they didn't remind the American rookie that he needs to catch the ball here, right? Okay. Like, that's rule number one. Right now, don't give up a single point when it's a tie game with a minute to go. Okay. Right. You you got a kid that's played by one set of rules for his whole life, comes up here, has another set of rules he's got to worry about, and he's probably not thinking about that in that situation. That is something that a coach needs to go up to him and go, yes, we talked about this in preseason. We talked about this during the week, possibly. But remember, you cannot do this. You have to get the ball into the field to play. We'll go to overtime. Everything's fine. Okay. If that conversation, if that conversation happened, then it's an air, then it's a vapor lock on the on the returner, sure. But if that conversation didn't happen, what do you have coaches for? Okay, okay. I got something on that, but I, I, I just want to touch upon this real quick. Um, this incident launched for a good 12 hours. Endless commentary on CFL Twitterverse about the Rouge and about the legitimacy of the Rouge. A uh, friend, of, friend of show, Milt Stiegel, even weighed in, said you know, reiterated his admittedly, self-admittedly unpopular opinion uh, about the Rouge, how, you know, he doesn't like it, it rewards failure, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Joe, I mean, do you think that this Rouge debate is relevant here? And would you like to restate your love and adoration for the Rouge? Okay. Well, let us let me just put it in these terms then. So minute four to go, you have a tie game. NFL rules rule set means that Saskatchewan is kicking off. Edmonton's thinking about, okay, how far do we return the ball? If we return it a decent amount, maybe we go for the winning field goal. Or mm-hmm. if we don't, we can go take a knee and go to overtime. CFL rule set means that 
not only is the single point in play for Saskatchewan on the kickoff, right, but the single points in play for Edmonton because remember this doesn't end the game. There's still a minute to go. Edmonton still got an opportunity to score, and they get the ball at the forty now mm-hmm. instead of like the twenty five in the NFL, right? So it comes up. So you you're getting something for your point. You're getting. 15 yards of field position in exchange for that point as compared to the U.S. game, right? You've only got to go 30 yards to give your kicker a decent shot. Now, mind you, Edmonton's kicker, I don't understand. I mean, a 36-year-old rookie that's not, that doesn't look like he's as good as you would think a 36-year-old rookie would be because you think they have to be pretty extraordinary to be even getting a look at that age. But be that as it may, they have the ball at the 50-yard line. Mm-hmm. A punt still works. They could still, if they throw the ball down the field, um, and if they're going to start, if they're going to run out of time, they could still kick it into the end zone from mid, from further down the field. So many more different pathways to ending this game. Or if Edmonton doesn't throw that interception, they have a chance at a field goal or a long touchdown if the Saskatchewan blows the coverage or something. So many different end results as opposed to like the two or three available to you under U.S. rules. So you can you can say anything you want about rewarding failure or although Saskatchewan wasn't rewarded for failure, they succeeded in getting the ball into the end zone, so they were rewarded for success. Yeah, it was a nice punt. So let's throw nice that. Punt. Let's yeah. throw that argument out the window for that. Yep. 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 But even even notwithstanding those arguments, there were so many different pathways to how that game could have ended, as opposed to a couple of different pathways in the U in the U.S. rulebook. That's why that point, that single point being available, is so important. Okay. Okay. Great. Uh, now you tweeted. I actually have the tweet here. You tweeted, "Coaching failure all the way." Was the I don't know if that was the entire tweet, but that was the substance of the tweet after you saw the play. Yeah. After you saw mm-hmm. the play. But let me ask you this, okay? Because this is one thing that I've been thinking about since I saw it. T.J. Sims. Okay, let's say that. Um, well, okay. Obviously, they went out. He plays special teams. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, they cover the Rouge in the preseason and whatnot. Okay. Let's say nobody came up to him and said, okay, here's what we got to do. Remember, don't forget. Da, da, da. Okay. Let's say nobody did that. Dude, his own team, his own unit scored four times like this already. In this game, did TJ Sims never look up at the scoreboard and go, huh, how did we score two? How do we score four? I mean, is his head not in the game? I mean, it should have been like right up front after seeing so many in this one game. It should have been right in the front of his consciousness. I think. You would think so. But he's all he's done this for how many years now under one way of doing things. When he goes out on okay. the field, is he thinking about, oh, yeah, remember in the second quarter when this happened or that happened? 
No, he's thinking about, okay, this is what I've this is what I've done all my life. If the ball goes over my head, we let it bounce in the end zone. Nothing. There's no problem with that. We just start at the 20. He's probably on autopilot at that point. He's done this so many times. That's why he's, he, this is his fifth CFL game, right? The, this or fourth well, or fifth, I want to say like, that's what that that's why you need as a coaching staff to go. Okay. We got the, we've been sitting here watching the Saskatchewan offense, just go tie the game on us. Okay. Kickoff team. Here's the, here's the play call we're running. Hey, remember the Rouge is in play. Make sure the ball doesn't go in the end zone. Okay. Yeah, I know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's fair enough. But I don't know. I don't know. I still think that Sims could have had the awareness. I mean, does he still forget that there are three downs too? I mean, seriously. I mean, I mean, he probably doesn't even need to know that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is like when uh, was it Russell Wilson claimed to have or or Donovan McNabb claimed to didn't know didn't know a game could end in a tie. Yeah, forgot that there was like this was the rule in the NFL. I mean, I I I just. I don't know. I was shocked at the lack of awareness. Um, you know, just, just, yeah. I, I was shocked that he didn't. I mean, I know it's a different rule, but still. When you're still, siloed into in this game, when you're siloed just, into your role, sometimes the big picture isn't given to you. You're told yeah. to go do your role. This is what you do. Yeah. If he's a career special teams guy, if he's been a returner for many years, okay, yeah, the reflex is to do that. But the other thing that struck me is, wow, did you hear the crowd? <laughs> I mean, I mean, this really demonstrated how knowledgeable the Riders fans are. I mean, it was a hell of a kickoff return. But when the Riders were like hustling downfield, you know, the special teams were like, you know, just storming downfield the crowd just got louder and louder and louder it was really nice i mean didn't that strike sims as anything weird i mean i don't know i i don't know how it is no, maybe they don't concentrate here, here's on that the thing. here's the thing in both in both rule sets those players are on side so oh, yeah. even in the u.s if they pick oh, yeah. a if they pick a kickoff up 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 in the end zone it's a touchdown for them oh yeah oh yeah Sure. I, I just, I, I don't know. Again, like, like I, I put a little bit on Sims. I mean, I think you're right. You, that could, the- you can put, you can put some of that on him for, for getting the situation. Mm-hmm. But if you're a coach, isn't that your job to remind mm-hmm. the players of a situation? Yeah. yeah. Like that's what you're there for. Yeah. It is a coaching failure all the way. It does not, it does not bode well for coach jones who like i talked about last week i i don't know dude <laughs> i think there's problems here actually I, I meant to talk to you about this before the show i'll talk to you about this after the show um okay coaching failure all the way when, when i first saw this tweet because i wasn't tweeting during this game so i saw it the next day when i first saw this tweet i kind of felt like it could it could refer to saskatchewan as well I mean, particularly on defense, I was really just frustrated with this defense, not just because they were my fantasy defense. I mean, I paid like bottom dollar for them. So you get what you pay for. And what I paid for was six points, apparently. But for most of this game until that last minute, this team 
preferred to play a soft zone and sat there and waited for the mistakes. And the mistakes just weren't coming. And that's why they, that's why I guess they were lucky that TJ, you know, messed up, that the coaching staff messed up on this last play. Because that was the only major mistake the Elks made in this game. And as a result, Saskatchewan, who I thought was a much better team, won this game by a point. Like, no, what do you beat, put this they down beat to? Edmonton by four and by one. That doesn't, <laughs> and they've beaten Calgary by three. That doesn't scream powerhouse to me. Okay. Fair enough. I don't know. I was liking the way they were playing early on in the season, but wow, this game just. And then uh, next the week, best, the next best game week, their offenses played all season was against the Bombers. Yeah. Their defense just couldn't keep up with the Winnipeg's offense. Yeah. In that game, yeah. Oh, and then against Calgary, they got good. some really fortuitous bounces that saved them. That's that swung the game by at least ten points. Yeah, this this next week's game between the um, you know the 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 can do nothing offense and the does do nothing defense is going to be quite the interesting tete a tete. Um, during this game on the TSN broadcast, uh, they did a little spot on Bobby Dubow. Did you catch this story, Joe? Uh huh. Are you jealous? Life goals, right? Are you jealous? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's, Joe's been ticking this off over a course of years, and this guy's doing nine stadiums in 15 days. And I thought Matt Dunnigan, who, personally speaking, in my opinion, I think that we're getting a little bit too much of lately. I mean, either let this guy do the games or be in the studio. Pick one and let him run with it. We don't need him for every game. Uh, Dunnigan had a great comment on this. He said, Boy, his liver is going to take a pounding. <laughs> that was the best comment on Bobby Dubow. But I guess by this point, his quest is over and he has completed it. So uh, congratulations to Bobby for that achievement. I Going mean, Pat on... Dunnigan's been around a few great cups. I can, that's a, I can tell you that. Oh, sure. I know. I know. It's just a little bit goes a long way. You know, um, with these guys, and, and I kind of like him more uh, doing the games, but even then, you know, it's I don't, I don't, I'm not sure I want him like three times a week. Uh, he's a bit, I don't, I don't, maybe I'm just getting low energy in my old age. <laughs> I don't know. A, a little bit of Matt can, can go a long way, I think. Um, Sometimes I mean he's no Rod Black, but you know he's not going to make me turn my dial or anything. But okay, so up next, Winnipeg twenty four, Calgary eleven. There's that number again, and in fact, Calgary actually resembled a decent football team in this game in the first quarter. Going up, I th- were they up eleven nothing at one point? It, it was eleven one. I want to say eleven one. Yeah, I think you may be right. And, uh, okay, one of the first things I wanted to say about this game was a wider-ranging comment. I've been wanting to say this on this podcast for years, and I've just never found a good place to put it. Uh, I have a proposal for statisticians. And, Joe, I, you're into stats, and you're into building games and stuff like that, so so maybe you could say yay or nay on this. I think a really nice stat for football to keep track of would be first downs. 
And what I mean by that is, yeah, what player gains the first down? Because I'm sitting here watching Calgary. And after that first quarter, it's just, I mean, I shouldn't say one after the other. But you keep getting these first downs based on these impossible catches usually or these impossible plays where so much effort is expended, you know, in an attempt to make this Calgary offense look lively. I mean, I got in the in the first and second quarters, I got Bagleton, Barnes and Odom's Dukes each bailing out their quarterback on a second and 10 or more. You know, they're working for these first downs. And I think that if we had this statistic, it would be a nice show about uh, relative value of a player to these offenses. So why don't we do that, guys? Case the poster boy for this can be the 2023 Calgary Stampeders. Um, I also wanted to say this as a more general comment. I wanted to talk about the sort of relativism we have to apply when criticizing pro athletes, or even as Joe demonstrated, professional football commentators. Okay, look, I know I can't throw a football 20 yards. I know I can't. I know I can't. These things are relative to the level of competition. Okay, so when I say something like, the Stamps have got to do something about Jake Mayer. He's just not good. I'm not saying he can't play football. I'm saying he can't play football on a CFL level. He's just not a starting quarterback in this league. Joe, yay or nay on any of this? I've got a stat, I've got a stat to back you up. Okay. Um, so John Hodge posted this earlier today. Um, Jake Mayer's attempted 14 passes of 20 plus yards this season mm. with two completions, a rate of 14%. <laughs> so you want to know who the leader is in the category? Minimum 10 attempts. Cody Fajardo, 10 of 20. He He's the best so far this year. Okay. Uh, okay. Vernon's thrown 46 and completed 20. Uh, wow. Trevor Harris, 10 of 26. Claros, 11 of 29. Schultz, 6 of 17. And wow, the- Vernon Adams is 20 of 46. He must be awesome under 20 yards. They throw the ball downfield a lot. Yeah, but I mean, I've noticed that too. There, there was that one game where he had three long throws in the first half and he went 0 for 3 with a pick. But on the rest of his throws, he was perfect. <laughs> you know, so so... He does like to air it out, but he's been far more successful under 20 yards. But I don't know why we're on BC. We'll get to BC momentarily. That was Um, just part of the the stat package that is offered. That's why. The stamps were were, uh, impressive on defense. Yeah, they have a quality defense. They have a quality running game. Sure. They're lacking. They got some good receivers. And and I, I, I said this in a tweet myself, this, like, this, weekend and i got a like from some important people on it so clearly i was saying something that was um well known around the league but it doesn't look like calgary has a passing game over 10 yards Mm, 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 it's just mm, not mm, there mm, mm, mm. so once winnipeg adjusted to that the first quarter they were getting diced in the running game and then they adjusted they brought people closer to the line 
forget it. Calgary could not beat them over the top. Yeah. Wouldn't even try. Yeah. I think there was maybe one or two long balls the whole game. And if your defense is gunning to stop your running game and your short passing game, because that's all you have, you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on. I'm a Rams fan. I remember the year when all we had was Gurley on offense. And these guys used to put, you know, nine men in the box. And I think against Calgary, you might just see the first 10 men in the box defense, you know, uh, out there one of these weeks. You know, the Calgary defense did a I nice think that was a Los Angeles. That was a Los Angeles Rams problem. Like they yes. they forgot they forgot how to run when they were in St. Louis. But that's all they ever did in Los Angeles. Right. Right. Even the first time around. Yeah. Ground they, shock, Dickerson. I mean, that's all they had. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that was the. That was the game back in the days, you know, in the in the yeah. 80s, there was this mix, right? There was this balance, but not anymore. Um, you know, like I say, Calgary, Calgary looked good on defense. It's it's really a shame that their offense wasn't productive at all. Um, but what are you going to do when Winnipeg can hold the ball for 945 at a time, which is exactly that what they did in the final beautiful. quarter? And that was the most beautiful drive I've seen in my life. That's awesome. Canada. It was awesome. It's like, what can you do? You're going to tucker out the Baltimore Ravens defense if you keep them on the field that long. I mean, wh- what are you supposed to do at that point? I mean, it's just like bleeding them dry, you know, gaining gaining yards at will. And I mean, you can see you can see why Calgary is frustrated because this is the culmination of a game in which you just had two quarters of no scores whatsoever and no threat to score from the offense. Like, no, what they, are you going to do? Their last score in the game. What are you going to do? Came with ten thirty-one left in the in the second quarter, and that was a punt single. Their last offensive right. score okay. was with three eighteen to go in the first quarter. Right, that's what I thought. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, it was first drive situation, basically. Yep. It was first drive of the game, which uh, as first Oz two, Davis first says, two dri- first two drives because they kicked a field goal, and then they and then they scored a touchdown, and then they tried a field goal later. Predis missed, which is unusual for him from that distance. And it turned into a Winnipeg touchdown, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just want to cut this short and say, yeah, Winnipeg is awesome. Winnipeg looked great. Rah, rah, rah. Because they, uh, they played they played like they were in a weather delay in the first quarter. And after that, they were fine. Yep. yep. <laughs> well, I mean, it was just like, okay, let's see what Calgary has, if anything. I mean, Reg- Reggie Bagleton was back, right? And he, he didn't score anything, but he got some good quality fantasy points. So they wanted to see, I think, Winnipeg wanted to see what they were going to do with Bagleton. Um, and then they saw it and then said, okay, now we conquer. <laughs> right. right. We they, came and we saw it. Now we are going to go deep at all? Forget yeah. it. That's yeah. the entire game plan changed. Yeah. Yeah, and again, like I always say, you know, I'm going to keep repeating this. Like I always say, any decent quarterback should be able to put together a first quarter drive, even Jake Meyer. You know, I mean, you should just be able to check off those boxes and you know, do everything right and and score. You know, and, he'd, fit, and, he'd fit better on on the U.S. game because in the Canadian game, so? you need to be able to stretch the field. Yes, because you get another chance in the u.s right yeah you can yeah. have an incomplete pass and two five-yard completions and that's a first down yeah or a, five, t- or a four four-yard run and incompletion and then a, and then a pass to the six 
Yeah, but this isn't Vernon Adams. The guy doesn't have the arm strength. You know, this, you know, he's not, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, there's a reason why some guys get taken into the NFL. You know, I mean, like like Nathan Rourke. I mean, because they got guns. Dude doesn't have a gun, man. And you need that in the NFL. So, but in any case, I just wanted to bleem over Winnipeg really quick because at one point, I, I got to call out some more commentators here. At one point in this game, uh, they said, you know, I think it was during the Winnipeg driver at the end, the commentators made the point that, yeah, the Calgary offense just hasn't been there, you know, in this half. And I was just like, dude, it hasn't been there since five minutes, apparently, in the first quarter. I mean, like, what are you talking about? And here's the other one that really got to me. This one just, oh, my God. Okay, so game three of the week weekend was Hamilton 21, Ottawa 13. And, of course, you know, what this game is going to be remembered for is the Jeremiah Mazzoli injury. You know, he goes down, gets hit. I mean, have, have, do we know what this is? Is it a knee thing? Yeah. Is it an ankle thing? He wasn't even hit. He was just trying to get escape the pocket, and he popped okay. his Achilles. Oh, okay. There you go. So it's an Achilles injury. Da 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 da. Now, of course, I mean, to me, what I immediately thought was, okay, Ottawa snake bit. I mean, this is what their fourth quarterback this year no third quarterback this year that they've gone through they're on to their fourth now they're talking about a fifth um mm-hmm. so there's a kind of snake bit you know they went in undersized you know they had a lot of injuries to even start the season etc cetera, etc cetera, etc cetera. but you know this happens and people on twitter are feeling bad you know especially since you know he really could have stood another game or two on the sidelines and shouldn't shouldn't be playing whatever and then one of the guys on tsm said before going back to the game we're all praying for you now come on seriously guys this isn't demar hamlet okay this isn't ryan shazier and if you don't know who ryan shazier is look him up okay this isn't a situation like that i mean the guy this isn't a life or death situation yeah it sucks that he came back from injury and got injured again Okay, that's terrible. But let's take it easy. We're praying for you. Come on, dude. What really cheeses me off is, is that this feels like a competition with the NFL guys. You know, it's just like, oh, we've got to be real serious and sober about this. And B, when something really serious does happen, I mean, like, you know, how are they supposed to react? You know, if they're like, if they're pouring their hearts out for this dude who has an Achilles injury, it's like, I don't know. That just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I'm, I'm being too sensitive, right, Joe? Yeah, I, I do follow your logic, but I think it, <laughs> I think it speaks to how much Jeremiah Mazzoli is part of the fabric of the CFL. He's been around for a decade. For sure. He's had a rough go of it the past few. Seems to be pretty well universally loved. And just to see that happen two years in a row like that just it doesn't make people feel better i take your point about them maybe using everything they had everything they had so that they don't have anywhere else to go with a life-threatening situation life-threatening situation were to show up but yeah we'd never see that for well yeah i know but i i do i also understand their point it's like this sucks this sucks really badly 
Oh yeah. Jer- Jeremiah's one of those players that the fans love. Right. It's going to be another rough year for him. I get it. I get where they're coming from. I also take your point that where do you go from there? If sure, I mean, things were to be worse. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, okay. I mean, let's talk about Tyree. I mean, this guy, here's this guy. He was he was he was playing in some second rate arena league, comes in, has a nice game. Now he's out for the season. I mean, this guy's like top level football career may be over through no fault of his own. Where's the funeral for him? I mean, come on now. I mean, seriously, it's it's just it's just over the top. You know, I mean, we're praying for you. Come on. In any case, back to the game. I hope you had Dustin Crom on your fantasy team. <laughs> Dustin Crom, now the fourth uh, quarterback that Ottawa has gone to this season, comes in, does pretty well, keeps him in the game. And I wanted to ask you this, Joe. I mean, there's potential here for a running bit in the show. The question is, enthralled or face-palmed, okay? What did you make of the fact that this game came down to, okay, from a guy who didn't play a down of pro football in 2022, okay, and started fourth on the depth chart this year for the Red Blacks, okay, who the Ticats allowed to run 19 yards on the final play, and barely stopped him at the one. Okay, now, was this a great game by Ottawa or just like a show of how lame Hamilton is? I mean, not that I'm biased or anything. <laughs> I take your point on Hamilton. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I don't know what they do well. Let me just put it that way. I don't know what Hamilton does well. How about it? How about it? You You also do have the guy that has never had had any tape. Like, how do you attack him? Yeah, okay. Turns out this guy can run a lot. Okay, that's true. But is that but is that because he doesn't he doesn't know his reads? Is this a situation where is he Caleb Evans all over again? just to give Ottawa fans nightmares where it's one read and run because Crum didn't that's less in the pocket very long in this game. Right. He would yeah, take a look yeah, and yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. You face a team yeah. with good discipline, like say Winnipeg next week, that might not work so hot. Yeah, if, he, if he even starts, they're talking about who else they're going to get. He will start. I mean, he will start. I guess they did will. sign two guys. They did t- sign two guys. Um, one that was in their camp in the preseason, and the other was Tyrell Pigram, who did pretty well for Winnipeg mm. in the preseason, but right. didn't fit their need uh, as right. as a third quarterback because Winnipeg needs a third quarterback that can run short yardage because their backup is more of a pocket passer type. Right. Right. So Pigram doesn't fit that mold, but he showed some athletic ability he could run the ball and he definitely has an arm he's raw it'd be great if he could sit for a little while and watch but with ottawa who knows in two three weeks he might be running the show so we'll we'll have to see just the way their luck goes uh but it'd be great to see him get a shot because he looks fun to watch 
Yeah, I suspect that Crum felt like he really wasn't going to play. I, 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 I suspect that, you know, um, they probably spent so much time with Mazzoli, making sure he was correct, seeing what he could do, what he couldn't do. I mean, when he was in the game, six of 10 for 37 yards. I mean, so, you know, I clearly, I, I'm sure he's pretty limited anyway before he goes down. Uh, Crum, on the other hand, was 14 of 21 for 144 and two picks. Uh, 91 yards rushing, though, and a touchdown. So again, like if you had this guy in fantasy, you did pretty well despite the interceptions. Uh, he did better than a lot of other quarterbacks in this league. But if you had Dustin Crum in your fantasy, yeah, team, you got value for you're your a money. Genius. Now, you're a genius. now stop lying. You didn't actually pick him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was really interesting about this, from uh, of course, from the gambling standpoint, is that okay. So the score is 21-13 when Crum takes off. He's given the whole field, more or less. I mean, I can't believe like how much room he had to run, which is another that really disgusted me about the Tiger Cats. Really lucky to get out of this one. Um, but the thing is, the spread was two and a half. Right? So if he had scored there, anybody who had the Red Blacks plus the two and a half who one might argue was a generous give. I mean, a lot of people thought they should have been the favorites. Um, you would have had the situation where Hamilton wins outright, Ottawa covers the spread, which the book rarely likes. Uh, I'm sure there's not that much money being spent on CFL football, but uh, the sports book would not like that outcome. So it was fortuitous to them that Hamilton got that stop, even if Hamilton didn't win the game ultimately, or even tie it up and send it into overtime. The book wanted that stop. So, Congratulations to the sports books for again taking our money from us. Not that I had Ottawa plus the two and a half or anything. Uh, <laughs> I did have Ottawa plus the two and a half. However, bailing me out from all my gambling losses were the BC Lions, who went over, put the game over, scoring 35 points against the Alouettes 19. Now, here's another interesting little stat. Totally meaningless, but a lot of fun uh, based on what happened this week. BC scored as many points as Edmonton, Calgary, and Ottawa put together. But if you put Ottawa, Calgary, and Saskatchewan together, BC loses by one because of the rouge. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that irony. So in any case, I'm just trying to avoid talking about this game. Because my Alouettes looked incomplete. Would that be fair to say, Joe? Fair. I think we're missing key they parts of our many, game. They made too many critical mistakes. And that was really the difference in the game. Because I don't think... BC played a decent game. Montreal played a decent game. They were they were evenly matched. If you take away the block field goal that turned into a touchdown, honestly, they were they, they that would have made the score so much closer and would have been a little bit more reflective of how the game went. Well, all the special teams play. Yep, right. That, that's I mean, really, the difference. That's Herky why Mayala, there's a sixteen point. Yeah, that's why there's a sixteen point spread in this game and not six. Right. <laughs> right. 
yeah, there's the there's the block. Herky Mayala gets 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 you know um, penalties on back to back punts and then gets a third one later in the game. Special teams had another one, so that's five. You know, pretty major mistakes by special teams in this game. But you no, know, on the other hand, you know it's tough when you know a quality running back like you have gets thirty yards. I mean, the thing is, welcome like, to the Jason Moss experience. Montreal. Well, yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. Because I told you last week I was going to look at Cody Fajardo. And the thing is, um, in this game and check out his decision making and whatnot. And the thing is, like, he doesn't. I don't believe that he's making a lot of bad. I mean, look, he had zero picks in this game. However, he went into this game having been sacked 14 times and picking up seven. Seven sacks in this game. Okay, I thought one of the nice revelations of this game was uh, was bets uh, for the BC Lions. This guy is a beast. As it turns out, he had uh, seven sacks coming in in this game, and he got two more in this game. Now he must be way out in front in sacks in the CFL, but it's really hard to tell because I can't get any stats from the CFL.ca website unless I want to download a bunch of PDFs and total up box score stats. Joe, when do you suppose the CFL is going to get this together? Mid-2024. <laughs> yes. I thought you were going to tell me a time for the playoffs, at least. I mean, I don't understand what they're trying to do here. I mean, what's worse is I can't even get game cards anymore. I can't even see Jeremiah Masoli's stats last year. They don't even have past stats up anymore. You know, you can click on past stats and then you get a bunch of blanks. You know, this you know, it's there, insane. There was, a line, there was a line, I believe it was the British, were saying about oh, no. the United States and right around the Second World War. It's like the United States eventually does the right thing, but only after it's tried everything else first. And I feel like that line applies to the CFL sometimes. They're their own worst enemy. They make the simplest mistakes that makes it hard that makes it hard to defend the league sometimes. I don't know. Maybe the website guys are just taking off every every CFL game day. So they're only working three days a week or something. I don't know. Minus holidays. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, um, believe me, we're not the only ones talking about it. And I'm not gonna hammer on it because everybody else is but well i mean that's the thing like it's one thing to have a malfunction week one but then like prioritize it make it happen get it moving well that's the thing joe if they had had a malfunction in week one that would have shown that they were almost done (laughs) you know Right. There's no indication at all that any progress is think, being made. I don't made. think we're talking about it. If it were, if we would have had a rough week one, and then sure. they get a, and then they, and then they rally and get it all put together. I don't think we're talking about it anymore. Like but with the streaming good. stuff, by the way, which didn't work perfectly in week one, nor on CBS Sports, but they straightened it out. I'm not bitching about it anymore, am I? You know, so it's like. Right. Jesus, guys, come on, man. Stats. Some of us love stats. Um, The thing about watching Fajardo is this. Again, seven sacks. 
hard to make a generalization because he's getting sacked all over the place. But I'll tell you what, it's pointedly obvious as we just touched upon. I think now this will be the third time in this show. The thing is, this offensive line is terrible. They can't run block at all, at all, which is why Stanback is is averaging three yards or fewer in every single game this season. As far as I recall, again, I'm not really going to go through and download a bunch of PDFs. Um, but uh, they, they also have real trouble pass blocking, too. And Fajardo is really hesitant, not really hesitant, but much more hesitant to run this season than he has been in the past. Uh, he may be just getting to that age. The thing is, I would suspect, maybe I'll go back through the game tapes instead, but I would suspect that most of the sacks that he's taking are within six yards of the line. There was at least two times in this game when basically the defensive line is coming through before he's fully backpedaled. Now, I don't think this is on Vajardo. I mean, these gaps, they're, they're just letting the line come through these gaps on run plays. You know, it's, I mean, it's amazing that, that, that standback gets any yardage at all. I think that's all just down to his size that he gets anything at all. He's getting hit behind the line. You're not supposed to be able to hit this guy behind the line. Come on now, play some, play some offense guys, protect your, protect your running back, protect your quarterback guys. This is, this is not going to get any better. And I think that, you know, Fajardo does. Okay. This is okay. Sometimes he, the brain fritzes and he takes too much time, but I think that happens to most quarterbacks, um, not named Peyton Manning. You know, I, th- I think that, you know, so- sometimes guys just take too long and, and, you know, they get hit. But certainly on seven plays, he took too long, uh, seven sacks, he took t- too long maybe twice. You know, the rest of the time, they're just coming through way too fast. So. Go into the scheme thing then. Because think about this. The common denominators between Saskatchewan last right. year where everybody was trashing their offensive line. And, yeah, honestly, for good reason, it looked like. Um, Jason Moss and Cody Fajardo. So those com- that's a common denominator between last year and this year. Are we talking about Saskatchewan's offensive line this year? I don't think so because it's Trevor Harris there who gets rid of the ball quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. But again, like, you know, Fajardo's cut down on the mistakes. He's not throwing many picks. And, and like you said, he's the most accurate QB in the league over, over 20. Mm-hmm. No, I, when he gets, I, when he has enough time to throw it that long. Yeah, and I think if the coverage is, I I, I think it's also down to the coverage as well. Mm-hmm. I I would strongly suspect that. I mean, again, this is BC. Their secondary has been pretty good this year, so that didn't help. Um, that that contributed to seven sacks. Um, just wanted to say real briefly, um, we have something new to say about BC Lions. I kind of feel like. The 2023 BC Lions are in there with the recent Bombers teams in that you run a you run out of adjectives, you run out of superlatives for these guys. But in this game, we got a lot of Sean Shivers in place of Taquan Mizell, uh going 14 carries for 63 yards and one TD. Now Mizell sat out for the color guys, made it sound like reasons of fatigue. Um, do you think they'll just run literally with Shivers again? Or Shivers, I, I should say. I, I either or, because I, I don't think either of these guys are. I think it's nice to have the ability to 
go to your backup from time to time. Yeah. Like BC needs a one-two punch at running back. <laughs> they, they have more depth weapons. in case of an injury, which is good. You probably oh, yeah. not dress. You, you might you might not be dressing them both though. One of them might yeah. be might be on your practice roster. One of them might be on your one game injured. Uh, yeah. Dressing two American running backs is right. Nice yeah. proposition. You're right. You're right on that. Good call. Good call. All right. Let's talk next week's games real quick. How many points did you score in fantasy this week, Joe? I think it was 82. Ah, you bastard. Bastard. Yeah, because they just sent out the results, oh, our, okay. our official results. So, so the podcast fantasy league puts out the results pretty much when we're recording now because the, they keep changing the stats on Mondays and Tuesdays before <laughs> they finally actually get it right. I mean, <laughs> shocking because they're probably pulling it from the same PDF we're pulling everything else from. <laughs> Yep. So, right. so I won. I had eighty two. You had seventy four point one, and I had K on Julian Grant and Austin Mack. Just to make you feel even worse about that. Well, I had Julian Grant. So, did you run with Augustine? I did. Yeah, me too. That was basically <laughs> just to that was to hold it. That was to make a running back spot not cost me a million dollars. Right. 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 And see, I was gambling that you were going to actually go through with that. And do that. I so I went with that. <laughs> I had Vernon. You had Vernon. That worked yeah. out. I figured he was due for a bounce back. I went with Vernon. Yeah. So uh, I had Bagleton. I guess you didn't. Nope. I had Dawson yeah. Mack instead. I forget who yeah. my third receiver was. Yeah. I had Bagleton. I had a Ottawa guy. I am, all of my players scored points. It's just not a lot this week. You no know, Vern, scored Vernon a ton of points this week, though. Because I'm I'm looking at our fantasy league's results right now. Actually, I was. Let me pull them back up here. Dude, all uh, the losing teams scored between eleven and nineteen. <laughs> and 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 you know, of course, Edmonton. The majority of the points was on Rouges, right? So yeah, I think our I think our highest score in the league this week was ninety one point eight. So uh, they got to put kicker back in the game. They got to find. Or at least, like, they should put in special teams for stuff like the blocks and the rouges. You know, I mean, honestly. They've really screwed up the defense, too. Like, the defensive touchdowns aren't worth a dang thing. (laughs) Which is ridiculous, because defensive touchdowns are worth everything in the CFL. Just ask Montreal. Um, Right. Okay, so going into this week. Now, let me ask you this, Joe. You spent most of last week looking for upsets. Are you still looking? (laughs) <laughs> are you looking for upsets this week to be I, I felt like the three games that were obvious were too obvious right but they all they went yeah. shock so. well yeah saskatchewan barely <laughs> right so sure and that was probably the probably the game that came closest to a true right. upset yep 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 but then again saskatchewan only beat edmonton by a yard the first time yeah, okay. they should be blowing these teams out. <laughs> Come on, Saskatchewan. They're gonna, they're gonna. It's gonna be a hard August for them because I think they start like four and one because they get Calgary this week. Yeah. Then they go into BC. Then they go into Toronto. Okay. A rough end of July. How about that? Yep. 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 Well, it's about time. All right. So, looking for upsets this week now. Here, here's a candidate for you. Now, hear me out. Tough sell here. 
Hamilton Tiger Cats, two and a half point underdogs at Edmonton over under 42 and a half. Edmonton's got to win, right? This is it. This is it. No, this is it. That, that, that Rouge hit rock bottom. That was, that was it. Now they bounce back, right? They're going to win at home. This is the Tiger Cats. They can do this. They're at home. The Tiger Cats are only, only a two and a half point favorite. The Elks can do this. This can be the upset, right? So who's got the two points again? I'm trying to remember. Edmonton. Edmonton is two and a half point underdogs at home. Three home teams are underdogs this week. Okay. I don't believe in Edmonton until I actually win a dang game at this point. So I'm going to go Hamilton. Okay. All right. I might. I, there's something. The amount of talent they have, the product they're putting up for the amount of talent they have is less than the sum of their parts. And I don't think that's changing all year. Kind of feel the same way about Hamilton, too, to be honest, but not nearly as much as what Edmonton's got going right now. So really, there's there's two there's either I think one or two things is happening this week with Edmonton. Either they take last week and just keep coasting straight to the bottom with it, or they rally and blow out Hamilton and make us all look stupid for picking Hamilton. Well, speak for yourself. I think I'm going to go with the Elks. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I'll bet them, but I'll probably take them and pick them for sure. Yeah, um, I wouldn't bet. I wouldn't bet them. No, I don't. I don't think I'll bet on them. But I don't know, man. I. It seems to me. I've said this a couple of times before, but if the streak has to end, come on. It's, can't this be it? Doesn't this look like a good time frame? <laughs> I don't know. They're not going to get many more situations like this unless they turn it around before the end of the season. All right. Second game. I guess I guess this is Friday then, Joe? Toronto. Yep, second, second game is Friday, yep. Toronto four-point favorites at Montreal mm-hmm. over under 48. So they're expecting about a 26-22. Uh, Montreal scores three touchdowns. That would be swell. I, I, I'd like to see that. I can't imagine that Toronto be held to 26, though. Um, Toronto's defense is impressive enough. Yeah, I hate to say it, but this could be a blowout. Um, I think I'm going to take Toronto. I think minus four after a bye week. That's almost disrespectful to Toronto a little bit. So that minus four is tempting too. They are on the, on other the hand, road. They are on the road, and I'm sure the sports books are putting putting in that sure. Montreal hasn't been getting blown out in their losses, and their losses are to Winnipeg and BC. So I'm no, sure they're taking but, that into account. No, but they've got them scoring 22 points, and they still can't run the ball. So. That's what that's what concerns me. Maybe it's just an over under thing. But then again, I mean, Toronto is capable of scoring thirty points against anybody. You know, Alouette's defense is okay, but I mean, this is Toronto, and 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 BC just put up four touchdowns and thirty five points against him. So I don't know. I I, I kind of like Toronto minus the four. 
uh, in this game for sure. Yeah, I'm going Toronto too. Yeah, to I, clear, but Toronto and pick them. Um, wanted to get your opinion on this one. Winnipeg Blue Bombers nine point favorites at Ottawa, uh, over under forty four and a half. Now, I am firmly convinced that this nine points is because uh, the book does not like to do double-digit point spreads on CFL games. I remember it took until the second half of the season last year for Winnipeg to finally be seeing some double-digit point spreads. And I think if this were in week 13 or so, it would be about Winnipeg plus 13. Uh, Minus 13, I'm sorry. Uh, So I guess the question for me is... Ottawa's got a lot of team chemistry. They've got a bit of an X factor at quarterback. Can they even keep it close? It just depends on what Winnipeg team we get. Because remember, last year they weren't blowing everybody out. Yeah. They had a real actually had a slow they started nine and oh, but they won a lot of games where this where they basically hibernated in the second and third quarters. It hasn't been that way this year. Like they got blown out once where they just weren't there. But other than that, they've been a lot more complete this year. When again, first quarter of last week, notwithstanding, like they adjusted and fixed it. And instead of going up 14 nothing, like coasting until the fourth quarter up 20 to 17 and then blowing and then finishing it off, they've been a lot more complete this year. So I don't think. I don't think Ottawa is going to be close this week unless Dustin Crumb's got a lot more where that came from. They've been monstrous in the second half this year. Thing. Mm-hmm. I'll go through for the next podcast. I'll go through and find out after this game. I'll go, I'll go through and total up the second half versus the first half because that's the thing is they've just been crushing it. I mean, this, this fourth quarter against, against, you know, Calgary was a showcase this week. I mean, that's just who they've been this season. You know, come out, score first in the third quarter, and then dominate in the fourth quarter, and then, you know, just play awesome the rest of the time in that second half. So, so, and I don't believe Montreal, will, I mean, Ottawa will have enough to play four quarters. It doesn't matter. They just don't have the talent right now. There's just too much. Of, I mean, I was thinking about this. Ottawa, this season especially, but in recent years, live and die by their special teams. And Deadman's out mm-hmm. this year. So it's like, Jesus, what can you do? They have st- they still have, like, I think two special teams touchdowns versus two offensive touchdowns this year. You know, it's Mark like. Dander's got one. I don't, I can't remember the other one offhand. Yes. So, th- yeah, they have at least one. So, I mean, again, their special teams is outscoring their defense this year, for example. And uh, they're being competitive with their offense, but, you know, even even then, Deadman's out. It's just like Jesus. I mean, Ottawa just doesn't have the talent. No fault of their own. I mean, they were kind of in, digging themselves a hole last year, but Jesus, they just there's they're snake bit. They're snake bit. They're snake bit. This is not Ottawa's year. No, they've uh, had a really crappy run a lot. Yeah, lately. yeah. I mean, I remarked after Mazzoli went out. I said, "This is already one of the more snake bitten single season teams I've seen." I mean, this has just been a curse since game one. I mean, this is just crazy what's happening to the Red Blacks this year. I mean, again, this is week. They're going into what? Game five? Or six? Yes, they haven't had a bye yet. No, this is game. This is going to be game five for them. They're one and three. Yeah. So they have had they're going a bye. In, 
going into game five, fifth quarterback. <laughs> four. Is it only? F- yes. Yes. Four. I'm sorry. Only four. four. It's only four. Four. But a fifth quarterback will see action in this game, I predict. I predict there will be somebody else seeing action at quarterback in this game, at least for the third third down thing or whatever. Although, although, yeah, he can probably do that himself. He can probably do the third down himself. So maybe not. All right. Final game. Upset potential. Calgary Stamp to no offense. Calgary Stampeders. Three point underdogs at the lazy defense, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Over under 44 and a half. So basically they like all the scores in the middle here this week. The book does probably because BC's not playing. Um, all right. What do you see? Okay. This has got to be a low scoring game. Is my first thought. Remember though, these teams have played each other already and it was 29, 26. Okay, but I almost feel like Calgary especially, but also Saskatchewan, have degenerated to a degree since then. I mean, again, look at this last game, Saskatchewan game. I promise you, the only time their offense looked 100% was on the last drive of the game. The only time their defense looked fully engaged was in the last minute of the game. You know, and they weren't playing like that early in the year. You know, I just don't know if they're just not taking Edmonton seriously right now or what. But I just I, I just don't have any confidence that Saskatchewan, you know, has energy. You know, they're just not. I mean, they got Trevor Harris, who's a stat guy, right? In theory, they should be scoring a lot more often. Than twelve points indicates. Yeah, but we've been, but but we've been saying since twenty sixteen, Trevor Harris needs to get the ball in the end zone more often. We're talking about two yeah. or three franchises ago at this point. Yeah, for a while three? it looked like he was. <laughs> for a while it looked like he was. Um, okay, so not necessarily low scoring. Uh, does Calgary have a shot here? By dint Absolutely. of maybe mistakes. Yeah. If Saskatchewan's going to make mistakes, they're going to eat it up. They're just not as good at forcing the mistakes as they used to be. And they're less all. powerful at being able to punish you for those mistakes. And if Calgary starts lapsing into mistakes, then they're screwed. Because they they're they they're not a dynamic, powerful offense. They are Let's move the sticks and live to fight another day offense because that's all they do. So if Saskatchewan game plans for that and makes Jake Meyer try to beat them deep, they're not going to give up a lot of points. Well, yeah, going back to, to, to what I was talking about before, the Calgary offense in this game, and I promise you in the last game, was all about the wide receivers bailing out their quarterback. I mean, that's, right, that's they not catch sustainable. The they catch the ball five yards downfield on second and eight. And then, <laughs> and then like have to break two tackles or sprint to the sidelines to get to the marker. Even in the first quarter when it was 10 nothing, I'm like, this is unsustainable for Calgary. They're not going to keep this up all game. Right. He's going to have to throw deep at some point. To keep this moving, it just wait. I'm 
and I'm still waiting for him to try one. Right? I I just want to see. Look, I just want to see Saskatchewan force some errors. Okay, and this is the ultimate situation to do that. They're playing with an offense that is handicapped. Okay, they're not going to go downfield. But again, if this off, if this secondary especially is just going to sit back and wait to make the tackle, come on now. I mean, let's have that some might pass- be enough. Well, that might be enough. no, but it won't. But see, I don't think it will because again, the Calgary receivers are good at. Nothing if not bailing out their quarterback. The yards sure. after but the catch they, for the season they, have been outstanding for Calgary. Right. But if Saskatchewan actually wraps up and makes the tackle as the receiver makes the catch, they're going to stop most drives. I wonder if they can. I wonder if they can. That's the these, question. These guys are good. Bagleton's good. Odom's Dukes has been great this year. Uh, he's yeah. been a little bit inconsistent, but you can see yes. that in a couple of years, that might be a household name. Sure. Uh, and then so, Mark and Michelle's back, too. Oh, yes. You're right. Right. So wow. there's talent there. <laughs> there was a couple of weeks early on where they didn't have any name receivers, especially when Malik Henry went down in against Saskatchewan. They had nobody that people knew. Yeah. This you team needs Trevor Harris. You could understand a little bit more why Mayer didn't go deep earlier on, but now it's like, they got they got to do something to shake the defenses from sitting there eight yards off the ball and going, come past me. Yep. I dare you. Yep. Ten men in the box. Ten men in the box. That's that's the gameplay. So this could be a really interesting little chess match this week, um, mm-hmm. possibly. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. I I I I like the Riders' defense like to, when when they're engaged. I'd like to see punch counter punch. Yes. I'd like to see. You know, Calgary trying some things to shake the riders from cramming up whatever it's got to be trick plays or dare I say it, throw the ball, you know, more than 10 yards on the field once in a while. But just like, don't make it easy for the defenses to focus in on your strengths. Okay. Um, I'll tell you what, Joe, I will take and pick them whoever you don't take. What do you like? Okay. I'm taking the Riders okay. because they have the capability of – I feel like they're capable of more than Calgary is, mm-hmm. and they're at home. doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get it, but it's more likely than not that they'll do more than Calgary does. These are two – it strikes me that these are two, on paper, pretty talented teams. They're talented? They're a lot closer than the records are going to indicate, especially after this game. Oh, yeah. But oh, Calgary yeah. has a fatal, fatal, fatal flaw. <laughs> and Saskatchewan has flaws, but not anything that's going – not anything so blatantly obvious that even I'm picking up on it. <laughs> it's a it's a cliche. It's a cliche. But Saskatchewan's problems are between the ears. I honestly think all the problems are mental. Honestly, and 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 that's what kills me too. Because especially on defense, there are some smart guys on this team. You know, there there are some guys who play. There are some guys yeah. who know the game. It's just I don't know. I, I I almost feel like they're taking it for granted. You know, some of these some of the competition. And like you said, I mean, they're getting BC and Toronto pretty soon. So uh, I think they're about to find out what a Grey Cup level 
uh, team looks like in 2023 um, pretty soon. And then they'll get Winnipeg a couple of games in a row there in a little while. So is that the, is that the game you're going to go see? You're going to go see yep. a Riders game? Ben, cool. Going to go see the Banjo Bowl. Banjo Bowl. Cool. 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 Great. How many in a row is that? Uh, I missed last year's Banjo Bowl because I went to the home opener. That was the one trip. Oh, the right. one trip to Winnipeg a year. That's and right. home upper was kind of chosen for me, so I just rode with it. Twenty twenty one, I didn't go anywhere because of COVID. Well, yeah, so. the travel was still weird that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost went to the West Final, but yeah. okay. Just, the, the 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 just the rules kept changing right around then, and I'm like, you know what? See you next year, and I'm going to make next year special, and I did. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this. You're... Not as special as that other guy did, though. He's got me beat. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're a regular Bobby Dubow, man. All right. Not quite. <laughs> how, do you say, how do you say Bobby Dubow in American? <laughs> okay, so we've actually got some disagreements in Pick'em this week. I like it. However, we're both covering three visiting teams. So I can't imagine that this week will be as interesting as last week, but should be pretty interesting, nevertheless. Uh, you want to cap off the show for us, Joe? You got any words of wisdom? Yeah, I actually I actually have a recommendation for everybody. Oh, great! So, oh. over the past couple of weeks, I've been noticing that there's a YouTuber named Coach Phil. It's, he's under Coach Phil Reacts. And he, okay. he watches the recap videos that the CFL posts <laughs> and reacts to them in real time. Okay. Entertaining for at least it's entertaining for me. It's fun to see. He's newer to the league. Okay. He understand. He he has a really good understanding though of talent levels and he and what he should be seeing and what he shouldn't be seeing. And so he's even he's starting to ask now about hey, which historical game should I cover when mm. I'm not covering act the what's going on here so he's working to learn the league he's working to, he's working on um deepening his knowledge but he's an entertaining watch so i would recommend going and seeing what he's got going on okay great coach phil reacts that's not coach phil jackson just coach phil all right then great recommendation we'll wrap it there for the rouge white and blue i am oz davis and for my co-host joe pritchard we're out of here we'll talk to you next week enjoy the games thanks for listening Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.